Good news or bad news first? Uh, do we really have a choice? Uh, don't we always <laughs> start with Gotta choose something. A, I think we always start with always the bad news. Always have to. Yeah. I think we always start with the bad news. Let's start with the good news, because then we won't be waiting for it. Oh, okay. Um, listen to this. Mm. Mm. You know what that is? Uh, that is the, 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 the cool, soothing taste of a Taco Bell Baja Blast. That is... I got uh, TB, <laughs> and I got some Taco Bell. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's the taste of outside, and it's so dumb because it's we're going on eleven weeks. Yes, but that's just like you're. That's just tracking. You're just tracking how long you've worked at home. Yeah, this is true. This is true. This will be week eleven for me working. From so home. it's been like longer. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I was trying to think of like how long it's been for a while. And it's been a while, but I was trying to think of how long it's been. And something came up and I was like, oh, that was it. And now I can't remember what it was. Oh, So okay. I'm going to go with somebody else's thing, which was, well, we know we can survive a trip to Mars. Uh, okay. I think you can get to Mars and back in three months. So oh, wow. Manned okay. missions to Mars, uh, you know, health, health records pending. Uh, I think we can all go to Mars. Yeah, I think you're right. If we just do that Apollo 10, you know, whip around and come back. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. I mean, give up, you know, four or five months of your life to do that. Yeah. You could yeah. see Mars. But you could see Mars. It would be all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. I don't know how Postmates is getting out there. I, I don't think they are. <laughs> so but to that's me, that's not happening. So to me, it's not even a big deal, but I just haven't been going outside for yeah. good reason. And to me, like Taco Bell, I've ordered all kinds of food. Oh, sure. <laughs> through food services. Absolutely. And argued with many teenagers who can't take this instructions. And just leave the food on the ground. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason, Taco Bell is, t- to me, the taste of summer, and it's the taste of outside. It's going to that yes. that Taco Bell drive through you know, yep. on a balmy summer night. Yep. You you get the stuff. You get an extra taco. You eat it in the car on the way home. Right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Doesn't even count. Knees. Eat it on the way home. Steering. Yeah. Where's right. that sauce packet? Nah, that's a mild. Give me the Diablo. There yeah, you go. Yeah, right. There you go. And so it's just so dumb. But I, I realized like signing up for the, I hate signing up for subscriptions for delivery services because mm. I feel like, you know, it's just one more thing in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'll pay 10 bucks a month for all kinds of stuff and you'd think, you'd never think twice about it. Mm-hmm. And you definitely order food at least two, three, four times a month. Yeah. You know, weekends are at the very least, especially in quarantine. Yeah, right. So you're, you're making that money back, no problem. That's paid for already. Sure. One and a half deliveries, it's paid for. Uh-huh. So I ordered Taco Bell, and because it's free, it, you have to go over $12 or something like this. Sure. Which is fine. It's easy to do at Taco Bell. Yeah. With two people. Uh, it's covered, and it was like the lowest. It was basically what you would just pay walking into Taco Bell. That's pretty To get deal. Taco Bell, That's and they bring it deal. to you. Yeah. So I'm just living on Taco Bell for the next however many weeks are left. <laughs> Why didn't we Decision do this sooner? Made. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. And and I love how um, there was a moment, <sighs> a terrifying moment, mm. before they came, where we were like, "Oh no, we didn't request any any uh, hot sauce packets." They went sauce wild. They did. It was just full of sauce. So, uh, so they're no on the there. ball. The delivery. Sir- oh, shout them out, Postmates. Postmates. 
did a great job. Yeah. Uh, food was hot. I mean, we lived pretty close to Taco Bell. But it was hot. We could have just gone there. Yeah. <laughs> but, well. But it was hot. And oh, so good. It was it was good. All right. It's been a while. Now so. I spent a lot of time on that. I kind of feel like I should have done this afterwards. Because yeah. now we'll do the bad news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know what the bad news is. I, I think I do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, uh, Hana Kimura was uh, uh, a, a pro wrestler in Japan. And she was on the uh, Japanese reality show Terrace House. And she was only 22 years old. And she died this week. Yeah. Um, I'm having a little trouble just talking about it. That's okay. I didn't think I was going to be this emotional, but I'm just, I'm really upset about it because uh, I'm a huge Terrace House fan and she was so charismatic, so full of life and just, a, just seemed like a sweet person. And they don't, they didn't release what the cause of death was exactly, but. Yeah, it, we don't really know. Um, and she was, she was a pretty big deal. She was an up and coming kind of star and she um, was wrestling for, I think like World Wonder. I can't remember the, uh, the exact name of the um, promotion, but um, she had been doing that. And uh, yeah, I mean, like everything looked, uh, looked pretty good for her, but apparently, um, you know, we found out later on social media posts and stuff like that that she had been struggling and she'd been telling people about that um she uh suffered quite a bit from uh cyberbullying and a lot of people think it was because of her time on tara's house and she really struggled with dealing with that um and um i uh I've talked to my sister about this a lot and she she studied Japanese culture and and Japanese language in, in college and we talked a lot about how there there is added stigma in Japan about like mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um and there is this idea this this kind of cultural notion that you don't want to father or burden your your friends or your family and so i think that a lot of people are maybe uh less willing to reach out when they need help and um you know there i think suicide is looked at a little bit differently in japan overall i mean obviously it's not a good thing but i think it's culturally just more accepted unfortunately yeah um and we don't know that that's what happened, but it kind of sounds like that's what happened. And I just hope that, you know, if anybody is feeling depressed, that they reach out to family or friends or or somebody else that they can talk to, a hotline, anything. I just, this is just such a a tragedy. She was so young. Yeah. And this just shouldn't have happened. Yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, cut out the middleman. You can talk to us. You can contact us. You yeah. know, we're available on social media. Um, we're just enough trope, but we'll give out our individual accounts later. Um, or come on our Discord, you know, and we'll talk to you. Uh, you know, this no, this shouldn't happen to anybody. No, it shouldn't. And yeah, I mean, it's a total, uh, total tragedy. It is. Um, Sorry. This is where, you know, talking about Taco Bell probably would have been <laughs> the way to go. So, you know, live and learn. 
I want to mention too. Uh, this is kind of it's kind of dumb. That's not dumb. That man has died. But uh, Ken Osmond, who played uh, Eddie Haskell on Leave It to Beaver, has passed away. Oh no! Yeah. Okay. Um, which is uh, you know that's it's too bad, but uh, it's probably what he's best known for uh, playing uh, Eddie Haskell. Yeah, and, probably. Uh, he, he, he was the he was the the mean kid, right? Yeah, he was. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was the kid who was, you know, he was a total jerk and then every time, oh, hello Mrs. Cleaver. Oh, you look lovely today. Like, yeah, he was, right. You know, trying to and uh June never never fell for that, but <laughs> he uh he was always trying. And um but you know, he um appear he made other TV appearances uh and uh was on some of the revival films. This is before we had come up with reality TV. We had to fill up the time somehow. Uh-huh. And so they would do, you know, Dobie Gillis, 1990, or, <laughs> or uh, yeah, or uh, you know, Leave It to Beaver, 1980. Oh, okay. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. And well, so okay. everybody would appear because you know they're all just it's kind of tough. Like Ron Howard, Ronnie Howard made it out because he you know put on a director's hat, right? But right. Uh, otherwise, you're just sort of appearing at like Happy Days Con or something, right? It's kind of tough to sort of keep things going, yeah. but but yeah, um. He uh, supposedly passed away uh, peacefully with his family, and so that's good, I guess. But yeah, just uh, it's just bad news. It is bad news. It's... Now I'm trying to think: should we just anybody else dying? I can't think of anybody. Else. God, I can't think of anybody, but we're probably missing. <coughs> I feel me. like we're probably missing somebody just with COVID and everything else that's going on. Well, maybe yeah. we'll get to it in the news because. As per usual, we have a lot of news to talk about. Of course we do. But we'll do that after we introduce ourselves as the Just Enough Trope podcast. I'm your host, Caliban, joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Ikan Hana. And it's all the news that's fit to cough. Oh, no. <coughs> the Is there going to be a lot of coughing in this episode? I don't know. I almost died on our last uh, COVID special. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll um, try to talk less. Ha ha. But... <laughs> We'll see, because uh, we've got something exciting to talk about uh, in our feature today. Um, there is a famous comic book. Mm-hmm. It is the, what would you call it? If Watchmen is the Citizen Kane of comic books, Jeez. what is this? I don't know. Wow. Perhaps the French New Wave films of comic books? Uh, sure. Is this the, the Godard of, of, of comic books? Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I'm giving you nothing here. I'm sorry. Um, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, in the 1980s, comic books took a dark and gritty turn. And many yeah. people put it squarely at the feet of The Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen, both released True. in 1986. He said, thinking it was five, but I can't remember. Um, five or six. Yeah. And uh, in the middle of the decade. And so people say, well, that's when everybody's just dark and gritty. And those were great um, arts pieces, releases in themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of creators took that idea of darkness and maybe went the wrong way with it. And then we got just edgy 90s comics, you know, oh, with sure. pouches and blades attached to your face and stuff like that. Right. Um, but it's still sort of there, like the the, the adultening of comics. Uh, 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 and, coin that. Yeah. Well, anyway. And... Uh, <laughs> And that's uh, possibly started there, but also maybe possibly started with this comic in 1982. Yeah, I can see that. One or two. I, this is like, you know how like... I think it's two 
Wow, I'm I'm really helping. You know how like uh, the Roman dates are all kind of off by one because of the way that they switch the calendar. Oh, <clears throat> there no, was I didn't like realize uh, that. okay. There was like an 18 month long year, so like or something like that. So there's a discrepancy. Okay. So when you say that, you know, Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon, it was in like 45 or 44 BC. Okay. Which is probably not right. But anyway. And so that's, uh, that's my brain applies that on its own. <laughs> I just put that in there. It's okay. To liven things up. But yeah, right, right, right. It's the 1982 comic Miracle Man, mm-hmm. formerly known as Marvel Man, written by Alan Moore. Yeah. And penciled at first by Gary Leach. Yes. But then by a whole cadre of individuals. artists. All creating for the UK anthology comic book called Warrior. Okay. Where a lot of uh, interesting ideas came out of. It's <laughs> most of them. Most of them around more. But not all of them. Okay. Most right. of the most lasting ones, I would probably say. Um, and isn't it put out like by Eclipse Comics or something like that, too? Nope. It's not. It's not. Nope. Oh, that's like a made up. We'll get thing? into it when we. No, no. Oh, we'll, okay. we'll get in. We'll we'll do that when we get there. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. It. Uh. I was not really familiar with um Miracle Man before reading this. Well, don't give it all away. Uh, I won't. That's all segments. I know. I know. I'm gonna cough. <laughs> These mics don't have uh, cough buttons on them, so I apologize for nothing. Let's talk about the news. <laughs> So we're probably going to be all over the shop once again uh, with news, but I just wanted to get some of the big stories out of the way first. Uh, Probably the first biggest story was from last week, and it was that we just got done talking about Batwoman. I know. And uh, it was been announced that uh, Ruby Rose is leaving Batwoman before season two. Yeah, which is huge. And uh, I mean, for a third tier show. That's on a fourth tier network. Yeah, I I know. Is it but that big? I well, I feel like it it's it's a big deal for for a show lead to leave and then for the show to still go on. Spartacus. I know that there have the been Harper a lot. family. Who's the Harper family? Don't worry about it. Okay. So this at first it was just announced, and you go ah wait twenty four hours we'll hear more. Uh huh. And because initially it was just. Oh, you know, this is, uh, I feel really bad. This is tough. Uh, but, uh, you know, I made the decision. Blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that, um, yeah, I mean, she just left. She said it'd leave. Yeah, and, right. And uh, reportedly, um, this is an official. This is according to sources. Mm-hmm. Um, she was unhappy with the long hours of being a lead in a TV series. Um, and so, you know, she and the studio decided that they would bid each other good even mutually yeah i know which sounds like them saying seems like you're gonna go and she's like well i'm gonna go yeah right (laughs) as somebody who's been in that position himself um i mm, yeah i i I just think that that is a i i I don't envy that decision that she made but i just i how can she if it's right it's right yeah You're, you're about to bag on her and on, she is somebody who has posted about her mental health issues in the past on social media. She's talked about um, suicide attempts that she's made. Um, she's somebody who is at, you know, is trying to balance, you know, what she, she's trying to balance her work and her mental health. And so I think if she wants to leave, that's the best choice. The mistake was probably casting her in the first place. 
not because she's not good in the role or isn't doing a good job, mm. but I remember, you know, 18 months ago or whatever, when she right. was cast, we were like, "Is can she do this? She's like a DJ. She's like an Australian DJ who's done some modeling and then, you know, was on Origins of the New Black. Like, right. is I she know. a show lead? And people get right. plucked out of obscurity and do great jobs. Yes. And people like, you know, Genevieve Bujold is the the example I always come back to. Yes. A Oscar-nominated actress uh, is cast as Catherine Janeway on Voyager, makes it through one day of shooting the pilot, and she's like, I hate this. I hate this. Yeah. I don't right. want to do this. Right. This is like 16-hour days. Forget it. Yeah. And so, I, you know, kudos to her for getting through an entire se- uh, season. Yeah, I guess. Um I, I just think it's going to be be challenging to find other, um, you know, roles after this for her. And but mm, she'll never work for Warren Brothers again. That's probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. Um, I, I was reading something that was talking about how she out of like a lot of the leads for like the CW uh, comic book uh, series is like Grant Gustin. Flappy McAbs. What's his name? Amel. Steve Amel. Amel. Yeah. uh, Something. Elizabeth. Black Lightning. Elizabeth Benoist. Black Lightning Man. I don't know. (laughs) But but like she. Somebody was saying. (laughs) Rory. Rory. Darville. Wow. (laughs) Arthur. Arthur. Arthur Darville. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry, sorry. Um. Somebody. Somebody was saying how. Um. She. Out. Out of all of those people, she was more well known than them, and maybe it was a mistake casting her. Somebody who's well known when they've had like really good uh, track record with picking people out who haven't really done it. But Stephen else. Amell had done had had more credits before he became Arrow. Yeah, right? I suppose. I think yeah. Grant Gustin had not. He was on Glee or something like that. Right. Yeah. But yeah. But he had also worked multiple years on a series. Right. Uh, she had been in like one couple episodes of Orange is the New Black. Yeah, I don't really know. And dark, she was on Dark Matter. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, she right. hadn't had like a regular role. So now she knows that she doesn't want a regular role. But maybe it was the people who cast these things. It was the people at the CW mm-hmm. who should have been like, well, I don't know, can she do it or can't she? And they made the wrong choice. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know I guess how long we want to adjudicate this. But. Right, right. And and you're just going to make the wrong choice sometimes, I guess. So, yeah. There's the Mika patented finishing touch. Hey. She did it. What about this? See hmm. if you can finish this. Apparently, there is a new Marvel movie in the works from, sorry, Sony, being directed by oh. S.J. Clarkson. And we don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know how to react to this. We know it's, it's like, female-centric. Okay, but it's, it's like super little information. Like, is it going to be a, um, a Spider-Gwen movie? Like, is this is this live action? Is this animated? Uh, it, it could be Spider-Gwen. Uh-huh. It could be Spider-Woman. Although I thought I'd heard a, a Spider-Woman project was... I mean, uh, Jessica Drew's Spider-Woman. Mm-hmm. It's Spider-related. This much we yeah, know. Right. Or, <laughs> or like Silk, or it's going to be like a bunch of like Spider-Women, like different version, like Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, Silk. Wasn't that in development? That's in development too, isn't I it? I thought so. Yeah. Anyway, so that's why I'm trying to think of things that aren't in development because they canceled the Silver Sable one, right? Did they cancel it? What was the Black Cat Black Cat one? Silver Sable. Okay. So they canceled that. Okay. Uh, and that was put out to pasture, or at least into turnaround. So, right. But they seem to be saying it's secret. So I'm trying to think who could they pick up that hasn't been 
exploited in the positive sense uh, from the spider mythos yet that is a woman. And the answer is, it's the Aunt May movie. It's Trouble. They're going to do the Trouble miniseries. Oh my finally. Gosh. Wow. Uh, that would be something. No, it wouldn't. Oh, okay. Find out um, that Aunt May and her sister are sluts. Whoa. <laughs> I don't think I want that story. Um, what about like a Mary Jane centric story or something like that? Um, I know. Does, does anybody want that? I don't not know. All superhero girlfriends are created equal. Yeah, I know. I mean, um, like, I'm not trying to like sell out Mary Jane or anything like that, but. Um, she's not as good as uh, she's no Lois Lane. Let's you say know, that. I who I really enjoyed in the Spider Verse movie was the scientist that was a female scientist, but she was kind of like Doc Ock. That was an accident. That was an accident. That was written to be a fat nerd. It's, it's just going to great place, right? Yep. Yeah. Scientist guy supposed to be a bald fat nerd. Uh huh. Which is like that's. Dr. Rock, that's a wig, right? He doesn't yeah. have a, a Beatles cut. Yeah, right. Uh, and the glasses hold it on. Uh, <laughs> just so stock. Just like, wow, it's real creative. Uh-huh. And then the guy who directed it, somebody in the production was like, I know Catherine Hahn. I think she'd probably do this. And they're like, eh, let's have her read. And she read it. And then she became one of the standouts of the film. I, I think that that was fantastic. I'd watch a film. Yeah, but her. they didn't want that, though. That was an accident. Mm. We also hey. don't want to. We also don't need I to don't to relitigate the uh, <laughs> Spider Verse is not good. Uh, yeah, thing. I, We've kn- done I know. That already. I know. Uh, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Yes. Can you believe that this made third story? Third story. <laughs> no. Snyder cut story that we don't have much information is real. on. Yes. Yes. The Snyder cut is real. I know. The Snyder cut is real and will release on HBO Max. Snyder cut is Justice League. The cut that Snyder wanted, which is going to yes. be so different from the cut that we got, the fifty uh, fifty, uh, little little Coke, little Pepsi, uh, little, little diet, yeah, right, little regular uh, right. Joss Whedon, uh, Zack Snyder one, and it's going to be four hours long, which is insane, to and me. it could be so long that they will uh, episode it or chapterize it, right? Uh, which at this point I would say, yeah, go for it, why not? Yeah. Um, they did something similar when they put uh, Hateful Eight on streaming services. If you didn't want to watch the full cut of Hateful Eight, um, if they just divided it up into like eight chapters. And then also okay. I think they had extra footage or like extra um, narration Okay. Uh, to go in, to kind of bring you in and out of each chapter. I see. That makes sense. All right. I mean... It's is it then I would argue is it really a movie if it's in chapters? Who gives, but who, seriously, all right. What, what the hell? It was just the Snyder cut. Who cares? I know, I know. I always knew that this existed. Yeah, because I mean, he's got the reels of film. All yeah, the yeah, film yeah. exists. Yes, he is influential enough that it wouldn't just be destroyed. Plus, is anything destroyed? I mean, I guess. I don't know how I don't know enough about film. I don't feel to know, like it is. I don't know enough about film to know the difference between digital and shooting on film. But I've seen him make Instagram posts showing cans of film that say the Snyder on them. So they're the Snyder cut. So I always knew the footage existed, mm-hmm. but he was going to need $50 million to cut the entire thing together to finish effects, to pay people to put it all together, to even possibly. Can you believe this? Bring actors in for reshoots. 
Ugh. Because remember, Why? he's got a ton of footage, but he doesn't have all the footage. There are final parts that essential parts that were completed by Whedon. So he yeah. may even have to bring other people in. Now, at this point, I would say, you're not going to bring anybody in. You call Cavill's stand-in in, and you shoot hit the back of his head. And if you have to shoot his face, oh, boy, this went so great last time. But you just replace his face. They do yeah, this right. in films now all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's still going to cost millions of dollars. And right. apparently, either Warner Brothers is going to foot the bill you know, and make money off the sale or the or the distro or HBO Max is going to chip in. I don't know the financing. Yeah. So right. that's another. This is one of the most expensive, possibly the most expensive movie of all time. Right. And they're going to pour another 50 million down. Which is insane to me. I um, mean, that's the goodest money after the worst money. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it's too much money. Maybe just let it go. Think it'll be any good? Uh, No. I, I saw somebody. Well, that wasn't a considered answer, but um, not really. I, I, <laughs> no, I don't think that it'll be that great because, I mean, okay, I, I I read something that like you know maybe this will be cathartic for Snyder and his wife, and you know in that way. <laughs> what? Come on. Um, you know, I hope that it is for them, but at the same time, he has been thinking about this film for probably years. You know, like, it doesn't hurt his brain too much. How much do you think he really thinks about anything? I, I guess I, I just I, I wonder, like, how how clear is, is the story in his mind or is it like all muddled and everything? You know, like well, there's I, a script, I guess, by Chris Torrio and David S. Goyer or whatever. So that's how much I'd worried about them. How yeah. much do they have? How much do they understand anything? Yeah. Narratively or otherwise. Yeah. I, I just. Mm, you just. I, I, we know I'm, that you just. I'm, I'm, Let's move on. Okay. Oh, so soon? I thought you really had a, a point to make. I just was saying that. <laughs> if you don't have a point, we can just move on. I was just saying I, I, I'm not a huge Snyder fan. I think we all sense in, that. In general. But as a critic, you have to put that aside and be objective. I don't think that the movie that we got was very good. That's not I, even I that's question, not even an opinion. That's just an observation. I question if he can cobble a good film together from what he has. He's got everything. Yeah, I know he's This isn't got like everything. I'm going to go into my fridge and I'm going to get some, you know, parmesan cheese and some caper berries and try to make something. He's he's got he's got a supermarket's worth of food. So it isn't supply isn't the problem. Skill is the problem. Well, and right. this is where we go into my rant about binging with Babish. Oh, who's the most famous faceless cook on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I watch him make stuff. And it's like, that looks like garbage. That doesn't yeah. look like anything anybody would want to eat. He made a coffee cake. And it's like, Speedway could make a better coffee cake than that. Yeah, there was not a lot of cinnamon. It's all hype. Cake. And yep. I was like, this. I don't think this guy's the real deal. And then I looked it up. He's never been, he's never went to culinary school. He's all Mm self-taught. Now I'm sure that he, wow, that was a musical. I'm sure that he has a job. I'm sure he cooks for a living. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure he has a job in a restaurant or something like that, but he doesn't have any training. Mm -hmm. I know. I mean, should I just get a whisk tattooed on my forearm and start a faceless YouTube cooking show? (laughs) I mean, you could. I might be able to do that. Yeah, I think you might. All right, we'll discuss it after the show. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about uh, some of the things that are on the way that we know now. Uh, The first thing that we need to think about is the fact that there is a Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead reboot. Okay. 
Uh, I got to be honest. Uh, uh, no, nope, no, no, well, nothing, nothing for you. Okay. I, I haven't seen. If it. I told you there was an Adventures in Babysitting reboot, I haven't. <laughs> okay, all right. I so, haven't seen that either. For anybody who, <laughs> I can't imagine anybody my age listening to this show. Uh, but yeah, they're they're doing one of those. Okay. How is the babysitter dead again? Like a different babysitter? Um, it's going to be a crossover with Adventures in Babysitting, but this time, uh, this time, Susie. Uh, Bootentouche is going to be the mom. <laughs> oh, the the babysitter will be the Elizabeth mom. Shoe, shoe. I was going to say Shaw. It is shoe. Elizabeth Shoe yeah. will be the mom. Okay. And she, no, she's the grandma because the little. Jeez. She, she was the babysitter. Doesn't she's not related to anybody. She is the the youngest girl who loved Thor is a mom now, and her uh-huh. kid hates Thor. Oh, okay. So that's our that's our that's our conflict, right? Okay. And Elizabeth Shue's character um, has fallen on hard times. She started a uh, no no face YouTube cooking show, which fell apart when people <laughs> learned that she was faking everything and she's not any good. And so she now she's back to babysitting. Uh, she's back to babysitting <laughs> in her fifties. Great. Then uh, she dies, and Christina Aguilera's kids. Christina Aguilera. <laughs> Are we going to cut all this out? I don't know. This is for no one. I don't know. This is for for no one. It's not not for you. Uh, I don't know. It's, they're just, these are the bottom of the basement, bargain basement, B, C minus movies that are being remade for some reason. Well, I know. We've got, is it, it's easier to make films now. Yes. Arguably, yes. Because you could do it on an iPhone. Mm -hmm. That's what Apple tells me. So I don't know, like when in the 90s, when they say they're going to remake, you know, or they're going to make The Shadow, no one asked for The Shadow. You're just combing through pulp heroes. Right. That don't cost much license wise because mm-hmm. Batman also started in the in the 30s. Right. Um, so that, OK, fine. I get it. But it's still going to be a B movie and it'll be good if you steer into that. But don't try to tell me that The Phantom was good. Um now we've got, well, let's, you know, there's got Marvel movies. Well, we can't make one of those. Do you got $300 million? I right, don't. Right. Let's remake, uh, you know, Revenge of the Nerds 8 or something like that. Right. And somebody out there will want it. Well, and, and I mean, that's just it. I mean, but the uh, answer is we, no. We, we need content. The streaming services no, need content. We and don't. Like, well, I uh, see what you mean by need. Uh, and, uh, and like, uh, TV production companies need to create movies. And I think sometimes... TV people make movies? Wow. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the times people, like, aren't that creative. And they're just, like, looking at, like, well, what was a hit? What can we redo? And that's what this is. And it's... I don't think it's going to be very creative. It might be okay. Some I'm sure some people will watch it. it. Smells bad in here. It smells bad in here? Yeah. I don't smell anything. Yeah, you never do. Okay, great. I think it's just, it's the smell of continual habitation. Okay. You know? Yeah, constantly being in this room. It's not great. No. Let's talk about the Muppets Now show that's coming to Disney+. Plus. All right. Um, I have a suggestion. Yes? Don't, don't try to spice it up. That's a failure. Right. Right? Right. The... Uh, the uh, movies learned that. The t- last TV show learned that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's cute that Thirty Rock is you know oh it's, it's like the Muppet Show. But then the Muppet Show comes out and they try to do Thirty Rock. 
and Piggy needs you to rub her snake's tummy until it poops. And Kermit is dating a younger, thinner pig or something like that. Yeah, that's it's, not it's, that's not what I. What happened wants. to goofy jokes centered around producing a TV show, and then that actually producing that TV show? Yeah. So have Ariana Grande come on the show, yeah. sing a song with the Muppets. Yes. All the black Muppets are looking at her side eye, right? Then we go backstage. <laughs> And we maybe get into a fight about that. It's too adult. Uh, you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but just yeah, just do that. Only it's not a stage show anymore. They're producing a. Um, oh, I'm full of pitches today. They're, they're they're producing an online show. Oh, okay. It's a streaming show. Sure. Right. Yeah. So Kermit, it but it's higher. It's not just Kermit in front of a. You can start it off with Kermit in front of a, a, a laptop. Bookcase. Kermit's on. Yeah, he's in front of a bookcase. Yeah. But then the bookcase flies out. Uh-huh. And we've got chickens dancing. And it doesn't have to be, it could still be in like a just a bigger house. Like it, Kermit's got a nice big house, right? Sure. And so we do it like that. And mm-hmm. then you have the backstage, quote unquote, backstage things, but they're all handheld, like iPhone shooting. Oh, yeah. I like that. In idea. the next room yeah. where Ariana Grande is getting her makeup put on by the rats or something like that. Sure. Yeah. I like that. And I think that's cute. Lots of poop jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> anyway, this will be on Disney Plus. <laughs> okay. All right. Disney literally buys the competition and then just freezes it out. Pretty much. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. If anything, we've proved, don't tell mom and the baby's done, that these these are evergreen, these properties. Mm-hmm. And so there's no reason that you couldn't have done something with the Muppets, mm-hmm. but you did nothing. Right. In fact, you almost you did things in such a way that it seems almost self sabotage Like, why would you do that? Why would you why would you watch the Muppets instead of watching Frozen for the 20th time? Mm. Y- yeah. I mean, that this thing that I'm accusing them of is is cruel. It, it is cruel. You could do anything. And instead, it's on freaking HBO. Right, 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 right. Why would you? Yeah. What? Why HBO? Why yeah. is that a good platform for kids, it? You put a Muppet in front of a kid, kid, the kid's in love. Yeah. The Muppets could be completely, continually renewing. Absolutely. And yet you've done nothing important or good with them in the last 10, 20 years. And yeah, so right. Do kids even know the Muppets? That's a good question, actually. I don't know, I don't know the answer Let's to ask that. a kid. Let's go on the street. Right, right. I know they know Sesame Street because that's still around. Well, but... I mean, I guess that's... Is it still around? On HBO. Well, on HBO. Is it on PBS? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Well, yeah. We're going to get a producer. We need a producer. Hey, uh, Amazon. We already talked about Amazon uh, buying AMC or maybe circling AMC. Yes. Now they're circling JCPenney. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, I heard that JCPenney was not doing good, and I think they filed for bankruptcy, I believe. I that heard. is correct. Um. Why would they want to buy Jay-Z Penny so they could have like a actual like store that people could go to and buy clothes? I guess they don't have that yet. They have a, a grocery store that you can go to with Whole Foods, but okay. I mean, geez, they've got so much money, so they could do it. It but... really, it, it would be like NASA developing the space shuttle, hmm. sending men to space mm-hmm. then buying a shipping a a, 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 sh- a sailing ship company uh-huh right <laughs> right I mean? yeah yeah but i the, do you you passed that already yeah right why it seems like you're going backwards instead of forwards why would we, why would we 
do that. Yeah. They're yeah. just uh, getting closer and closer to being... Um, a monopoly? Globo Chem or whatever. Yeah, What's yeah. that on uh, Tim and Eric, the company that uh, owns everything? Yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, they, they are almost <laughs> A bad. subsidiary of Globo Chem. Yeah, yeah. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it, Bezos. I'm gonna leak more <laughs> of your texts. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, Tom Hanks's Greyhound film that has been—it's hotly anticipated by baby boomers everywhere. Uh, yes, is now it, they had said it was going to the theaters. It will now premiere on Apple TV. Plus. Yes, I heard about this. Yes, uh, this was a big deal. I think they paid like something like seventy million. Yeah, this will. Yeah, this will. T- well, yeah, but this will, it was originally slated to come out in theaters. Father's Day's week, Father's Day weekend. Because of course it was. So yeah, everything's the fix is in. Yeah, you get your tie, you get that box that's about eight inches long, and you go, huh, what's in this box? And then <laughs> it, it was a tie, but also two tickets to Greyhound. Yeah, but not anymore. Right now, it contains um, an Apple iTunes gift card. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So you can watch it. Um, I heard that they had to actually go to Tom Hanks to, in order to get this deal completed. Like that, he had to be involved. He was—he's probably a producer. In fact, I'm—I'm I'm positive he's a producer. I think he wrote it. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, th- this is kind of one of his babies, I think. So, yeah, they had to get the the gold stamp approval. I think the other Tom producers Hanks. are like, Tom, can you just email it? He comes in, check it out, guys. Boom, right? Type 300 pages, typewritten. Yeah, uh-huh. right, 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 because right. he, he's a typewriter. Just a stack not... of pages, yeah. just a ream of paper. And they're like, <laughs> here we go. Just Dropbox it. Page one. Yeah. <laughs> Flip. Yes. Uh, yeah, like now if, uh, is Stephen Cannell, he's dead, right? But does the Stephen Cannell productions, it's just a finger pushing send on an email? <laughs> Instead of the paper going, yeah, right, right. Get to the end of heart to heart, and then the paper goes up. Actually, heart to heart. That's that might have been. I don't know spelling. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, Edgar Wright has uh, signed a deal with Netflix because he was the like the last one to not have a Netflix deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is good or bad. Um, I know that Scott Pilgrim has done really well on Netflix. Mm, um, maybe that's one reason why yeah, he just, signed. I bought the Steelbook. Blu-ray for like 20 bucks. If you like it, just buy it. I know. But people are watching it. Uh, speaking, of Scott, 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 yeah. speaking of Scott Pilgrim, try that. It is going to be re-released in theaters pretty soon. Why? Just for fun? Okay. Um, Dolby, cool. it's going to be redubbed in Dolby Digital or whatever. It's going to be all spritzed up and they're going to release that for fun. And then he's got this Netflix thing going on. So you're playing both sides. <laughs> And uh, I think I said to you, well, I hope theaters are open. Yeah. You know, when they're able I think to he do think, I think he hopes they are, too. But as he's signing that deal with Netflix, they're probably like, what's up? Yeah, yeah right, right, right. <laughs> who's signing who's this, who's this bitch with the yeah, sticky right. floors? Yeah, exactly. I see you text her. <laughs> uh, speaking of videotape and films, Steven Soderbergh said that he wrote a sequel to Sex, Lies, and Videotape during lockdown. Okay. Is this is this going to happen? This is one of three screenplays he says that he has written. Now this was on a YouTube interview, so I don't know if he's just you know talking talking out of school. <clears throat> but supposedly he wrote a sequel. Now we've got Laura Sanchez Como, Andy McDowell, Peter Gallagher, and uh, 
uh, is bright city, big lights. I've never seen it. What's his name? James Spader. Okay. We've yeah, got yeah. all the principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, is that it's a movie about like, you know. Videotape? And sex. Yeah. Some lies. Uh, <laughs> it's not a, I don't know. It's okay. It's kind of, it's a movie that like brought him to prominence. I and see. It's, okay. It's all right. It's, it's just a, okay. Yeah, it's about like a love square, baby. Yeah. That, uh, between all these characters and like there's, you know, some character guys cheating on somebody and his wife is like sexually repressed. And then there's the friend. And then James Bader's the weird guy who like interviews women about their sexual experiences. And it's supposed Great. to be like, a, well, it's like supposed to be like a, you know, art type project or something like that. And uh-huh. you know, it's going to go into a film. But people do look at it side eye. And then, you know. Also, it is kind of like a weird kind of kink for him. So, sure, it's not as the movie is not as torrid as its its title. Its title was selected for that reason. Oh, it's sure, a, it's a it's a talker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's okay. I don't think it's it just it's sort of like it's it's delving into emotions and it's self confessional. You know, right? It, it, it was one of the uh, first movies of that sort of you know avant-garde era mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. you know the best you could get before that was uh <laughs> was uh uh the gambler where uh james Kahn is gonna go get his face slashed by a pimp because he can't deal with wow. all his gambling yeah right right you know the right. 70s there's yeah. the, there was dramatic things happening yeah important but there's a lot of like bombast and a lot of like stuff that's like whoa you know yeah and um yeah, but then it's like, oh, yeah, let's confess things to each other. Oh. Right, right. 9-11 is so far away. We got to get it in. Here, here are all of Before our movies pressing become problems. Dumb again. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Uh, huh. Okay. Well, I wonder what a sequel to that would. I guess it would just be more of that, wouldn't it? I guess. I don't know. It just, to me, what maybe this is why it? I brought it up. Maybe this is why I brought it up. Everybody in it is like in their late 20s, right? Yes. So for them, this all this stuff is important. Now that they're 50 or higher, they're like... Do yeah. they care? <laughs> this is just sex and lies. <laughs> and it's all digital video now. So Right. Right. Whatever. <laughs> maybe it's their kids. I don't know. Maybe it's like they're going to remake 30-something, oh. right? And I think the 30-somethings are going to be the kids of the 30-somethings from the last 30-something. 30 30-something. 30 oh. Wow, that's that sounds complicated. I'm cramming a lot of '80s <laughs> TV and movies I, into you. I watched week. a little bit of Thirty Something. I think my parents watched it. So um, Peter, what's his name? The like, guy with the with the uh, with a beard, velvet face. He had, yeah, he always had that. Like <laughs> he had a beard, but it looked like uh, you know, like a chia pet. Almost? Like if you gave a buzz cut to a troll. Whoa. It was Whoa. like that permanent, like, you know, week of growth. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, very, very fuzzy beard. Yeah. Um, wasn't there like a 20-something TV show, too? I don't think so. Or a 40-something. 40-something. There was like, there was some sort of spinoff. Yeah, who'd want to watch that? Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> 90s, early 90s TV shows, you know, they're doing The Stand. Yes, they are. They yes, are. Yes, they are. But it's going to be, yeah, CBS All <laughs> Well, that's uh, we're off to a bad start, aren't we? What do we do? Uh, I don't. I How don't do we know. stop them? How, this I... is for their own good. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take the Delta Flyer back in time. 
<laughs> they're like, no, don't do it. I'm like, you don't, this is for the best. <laughs> LeVar Burton's going to be like, hey, man, we all got a lot of opportunities. You wouldn't want to get rid of those, right? The card season two. Yeah, right. I'll be like, sorry, hit the button. <laughs> no more CBS All Access. Think about it. Uh, yeah, they're doing the wow. stand. Alexander Skarsgård is playing Randall Flagg. Who's the, the the main character? No, he's the main bad guy. Oh, he's the main bad guy. Alexander it's been a Scar- long time since I've seen it. Skarsgård is the least talented Sharshmarsh. And um, just a... Just a bad choice. Do you know Jamie Sheridan is? Of course you don't. doesn't matter. No. He's a bad choice. And he's rockabilly. Why is he rockabilly? Because he's got like a, I think he's got a jean jacket uh-huh. because that's just what Randall Flagg has. Uh-huh. And so they saw a jean jacket and they thought, gotcha. Let's rockabilly. do it. And so he's got like a slicked back, like, you know, buffant type thing. Uh-huh. And he's got like a hipster. Beard. Pointy, a pointy beard. Okay. It's like, what? What is that? Yeah. That's weird. Randall Flagg works at a t- in a tattoo parlor. <laughs> so nothing wrong with tattoo parlors. Just, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, okay. Huh. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how that fits with this. I'm game. just trying to figure out how I can turn all of his nicknames into dumb names. You know, like the walking douche. He's the walking douche. <laughs> there. I did it. It's easy. He's the, yeah. the, the, the hard cheese case. Wow. Uh, sure. Sure. Let's see if I can remember any more Randall flags. He's, <laughs> I always thought Walter O'Dim was like, nice self-own. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where you come from, but right. O'Dim doesn't sound like uh, not, not a, a real brain buster. No. Uh, did you know that Skeet Ulrich quit Riverdale? Did you know Skeet Ulrich was on Riverdale? <laughs> no to both of those questions. Yeah. Uh, why did he quit? He, he quit because he was bored. Oh, okay. He was doing a question and answer on Instagram Live. Somebody asked him why it was announced that he would be uh, leaving the show. And he said, I'm leaving Riverdale because I got bored creatively. How's that? That's the most honest answer. And anytime you, you like, a, how do you, do you like that? You like that? We know, oh, oh, you have some feelings about that. Yeah. So I think it's maybe not just that, even though I can imagine being starved to death creatively on Riverdale. Uh, I can too. I don't think it's a... Very, it doesn't seem like a very creative uh, production, but uh, yeah, okay, um, yeah, it seems like something personal there. Maybe he had ideas for it and nobody was listening to him. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what? Do you think any of Skeet Ulrich's ideas are good? Except you guys want to hit Taco Bell? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Poor Skeet Ulrich. And Marisol Nichols, who. I think she was the um, the daughter in uh, Vegas Vacation. Oh, okay. She's been on a couple the uh, yeah Vegas Vacation. She's been in a couple things since then. Nothing important. And she plays um, Veronica's mom on the series, and she's leaving the series. So oh, you're all worried about what's going to happen with Batwoman. They yeah. got a couple got a couple mid C level uh, '90s stars to uh, swap out of this show. <laughs> Yeah, I I know. Um, All right, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Give me your last thoughts on the brain drain at CW. The brain drain on C at CW. And I'll pick out the rest of the good stories. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess maybe it it doesn't look good that like you have a couple of um 
uh, actors who are leaving your productions, you know, when your productions are still going on. I don't think that that reflects very well upon you as a production company. What's going <clears throat> what's to the, what's the net effect? Honestly, I don't think they're going to really feel it. Um, as long as, I mean, with the Riverdale cast, but as, as as long as with the with Batwoman, they get somebody who's good, or who can who 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 can take on the mantle. The first story we talked about. I it know. Came full circle back to the start. I know, but but if they can take get somebody who 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 can fill those shoes and right, like do a like, good job at it. Smilf got canceled because enough people said Frankie Shaw is molesting us, harassing us or whatever. And then finally, you know, the network's like, Hey, what, what's going on here? All right. You're canceled. Right. If it really, is it really a problem? Is it really that CW is a juggernaut? They've lost, um, sort of internal, uh, management of, you know, people, the way that talent is treated and so on and so forth, that you've got enough people who went, I was in as good as it gets. I don't need to put up with this. You know, uh, like, <laughs> or is it just some guy who was like, I was in, as, I was number eight in as good as it gets. I don't have to put up with this. You know what I mean? You yeah. think that there, there's a breakdown in the way that things are being done at Berlin? This is a Berlanti production, right? Yeah. Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Or do you just think that, you know, the more people you bring in, some of them are going to be coconuts who are going to get mad because they talked to Jack Nicholson once and they didn't, they won't be treated this way. Huh. I'm, I'm inclined to think it's more, uh, the, the latter option, but I don't know. Like, I mean, we haven't, there's not like a Berlanti tell all. Like, I mean, as far as we know, like Greg Berlanti is uh, nobody has any complaints about him. I guess when I ask for your opinion, I just want you to say something funny. I just learned oh. that With 360 shows in, and <laughs> you you take every you take every question so seriously. Sorry, but it isn't like just because you take it seriously, you deliver something good, <laughs> something like that's well thought out. You just kind of restate the problem and the question that was asked to you. So I would ask you to just say something funny instead. I mean, your name is Skeet Ulrich. What do you want? (laughs) In the fifties, In the United Kingdom, Mm -hmm. children of all ages thrilled to the superpowered ventures of the mightiest mortal on the earth, Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel. But when Captain Marvel was sued out of business, (laughs) then comic artist Mick Angelo was tapped to create a Captain Marvel ripoff, who himself was a ripoff of Superman, leading to the creation of... Marvel Man. Yes. And Marvel Man continued to be published from 1954 to 1963, featuring sidekicks, young Marvel Man, kid Marvel Man, who when they say Marvel Man, become Marvel people. Yeah, it's... Marvel um, Man himself has a magic word that he says, but it's based on science, not magic. Totally different. (laughs) Not to mention the fact that, that, you know, Mick Anglo draws 
the characters with uh, you know dot pupils, and <laughs> the font is the same as in Fawcett Comics. They just ripped off. It's just they're just doing Captain Marvel. Yeah, they are. But they got away with it for some reason. What? Well, okay. No. What really? What bakes my noodle is that you could Fawcett Comics can get taken down in America. And if they can't make any more comics, I guess they can't ship them overseas for you to print them or for you to distribute them or, I don't know, reprint them or whatever you do in England. But you're in England. You don't care what a U.S. copyright court decided. So you yourself end up making your own Captain Marvel. I know. Which is just Marvel Man. Yeah. It's incredible. It's crazy. And when you think about it. It gets crazier. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to it. Well. It can be like confusing. I mean, obviously, I, I definitely saw the 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 links to to Shazam or Captain Marvel um, in, in this, uh, and, and it's not as if like when um, he took it over and created young Marvel Man and kid Marvel Man. Wow, you mean Captain Marvel Junior? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. it, it it's not like that's like super creative either so how how were they able how were they able to pull this off how how were because they not get in trouble for this because copyright lawyers don't get on a boat and sail across the ocean to yell at you in england i see Fawcett comics should have just moved their offices to england started <laughs> you know created captain marvel then just paid the uh the uh, the import uh, or export tax or whatever to send their comics to, to the U.S. US yeah. And it's nothing that uh, National could have done. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. What was the what was the decision process like for changing the name to Miracle Man then? Oh, interesting. Well, okay. I'll tell you. So, Marvel Man only did, uh, lived until uh, 1963 uh, when mm-hmm. the company that published him went bankrupt. Because oh, in 1959... Okay. British law changed to allow the import of comics from the United States. Oh. So now British kids are getting those Batmans. They're getting those Supermans. You know, there is no need for uh, uh, an airsats. Mm. You can get the real thing, mm. which just drove a lot of British comics right out of business. Okay. Now, in 1982, as we discussed in the intro, um, a new uh, anthology called Warrior was launched. Mm-hmm. And that was published by uh, a guy named Des Skin through Quality Communications. Des Skin is a very famous figure in, um, he's like the Stan Lee. He's been called this British Stan Lee, basically. Um, he's still around. Okay. And he's not that old. He was really young when he was doing all this. Uh, and so that comic like had, you know, bas- uh, published monthly stories in sort of anthology form. Okay. And he was working with creators like, uh, Brian Bolland and uh, Steve Moore and Dave Gibbons, um, Alan Davis, David Lloyd, uh, Alan Moore. Uh, I believe that um, V for Vendetta started there. Oh, okay. Before the, yeah, there was a thing where I think v-, v for Vendetta was bought by DC like halfway through its run, but the first couple issues like came okay. out in an anthology okay. in um, in that magazine. Gotcha. And um, I don't know other stuff. It's mostly just. <laughs> Do, the, the Alan Moore stuff is what's remembered, really. Do anthologies, like the comics they're in, are are they about the same length as a single issue, or are they a little bit shorter? Depends. Okay. Um, 
they've basically disappeared from mainstream comic publishing. You don't mm. see this anymore. Mm, okay. But even when I was a kid, they were still doing Marvel Presents, which is either uh, original stories with sort of lesser known creators, or they would run uh, reprints of other shorter stories. You know, a lot of comics in the in the old days had multiple stories in them. So if you pick up The Adventures of Superman, you get four Superman stories. Um, sure. And I think it'd be, yeah, I think it'd be like 36, maybe 44 pages. Uh, mm-hmm. Paper was cheaper back then. Um, and you would have, you know, one would be a reprint from an earlier Superman comic, and then there'd be something new from Kurt Swan or whoever. And that's just how they did it. You know, they're just producing, producing, producing. They didn't have it locked down because they thought that they needed to get the audience. Right. They, they they didn't have the crazy self-confidence that Marvel Comics has today to p- publish, you know, a 22, maybe 18 with ads comic book that costs, you know, four ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, you know, the the stories of the of the Silver Sable or something like that. Um, yeah, I've got another thing to say about that, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, so anyway, yeah. So Deskin started this. He wanted to reboot Marvel Man. He grew up reading him. And he okay. also thought, like, we need, yeah, we're going to let all these guys do, like, this crazy stuff, but we need something that people will recognize that can sort of lead this thing. Mm. And so he was going to uh, do that. Um, he went to a couple different people, uh, but nobody wanted to do it. And Steve Moore, uh, who's a uh, writer, um, said that he's uh, he had a friend named Alan Moore, no relation, okay. who would love to write Marvel Man. He would go crazy for it. Okay. So they did that. Alan Moore got to write it. Was this one of his first gigs? More or less. Uh, okay. Yeah. He had worked for Marvel Comics very early in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little before this. Okay. That might have been some of his first work. But yeah, he was doing this. Um, so that's all well and good. Um, eventually, Warriors discontinued and Des Skin um, basically licensed uh, a lot of the material out. And one of the companies that he licensed it to was a company called Eclipse Comics. Oh, okay. So Eclipse Comics began reprinting the Marvel Man stories. So did did the Marvel Man uh, run that Alan Moore did, did that complete in Warrior? Or did it start in Warrior and then Eclipse took it over? No, it did not complete. Okay. I'll answer. You can... Answer, ask your questions so we have a Radio Lab dialogue going on, uh-huh. but I will definitely answer all of your questions in my monologue. Okay, all right. Don't let that stop you, though. Okay. No, it was like issues up to, I don't know, it's, it's like the teens or something like that. You okay. can tell when you're reading them because you notice the first couple issues are like part one, part two, or they'll stop and then there'll be like a side story or it's like, hey, what's, go- what's Cream doing or whatever. Right. That all stops around 10 or 11 mm-hmm. and they just become more like issue based. Mm -hmm. So it was around then. So now Eclipse is reprinting uh, the Marvel man, but they're doing it by taking those different parts anthologies and pushing them into like one issues. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, That goes on for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Moore leaves the series at issue 16. Oh, okay. And hands it off to Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham. Okay. To complete. Okay. Without any story spoilers, the world of the comic changes quite a bit from what it is, which is basically a modern look at a you know superhero, a kid superhero, yeah. to something very different and very Gaiman-esque. 
Okay. Um, so they go out and do that. Um, you know, eventually it's, it just, I don't know, the whole thing kind of falls apart. Um, Eclipse wasn't doing well. Uh, they basically liquidated and they never actually finish issue 25. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Oh, no. That's, that's bad news. Yep. Issue 25 is uh, like Miracle Man triumphant and it's like the last issue, at least of that run, and it never gets published and has not been published to this day. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. So it just ends at 24 then? Yep. Wow. Okay. And at this point, you know, we're in the early 90s, maybe. It is seen as, you know, one of the, if not one of the best comics of all time, one of the most influential comics of all time, and a comic that had employed some of comics' biggest names. Yeah, for sure. So it is the Truffaut of, or whatever whatever we decided it was. Not Truffaut. He's too mainstream. Although it gets sucked into the mainstream, because in 1996, Todd McFarlane buys all of Eclipse's creative assets on auction. So for 25 grand, he buys the rights to Miracle Man. Now, here's the problem. The rights, give them credit. Uh, Warrior and Eclipse were very forward thinking on, you know, creator owned, uh, creator ownership of characters. Okay. And so Alan Moore owned one third maybe two thirds of it and eclipse owned a third or maybe okay. like both the arter the arter and the writers the artist and the writer both owned a third and then the company owned a third okay <laughs> this is what happens when you bet a little bunch of druggies like work out business stuff yeah a bunch of hippies are all gonna figure this out but it's always shifted and when alan moore left he basically said oh i don't need the rights like neil can have my share you know so so now the rights are like, and this is all like gentlemen's agreement. I don't think it's, this is on a napkin somewhere. <laughs> so now Neil has it and okay. the artists have it or some, or one of them does or some of them do. And when the company falls apart, everybody thinks, well, that doesn't matter. So they all just, you know, nobody says, uh, you know, I release thee, I release thee, I release thee. But they all just assume nothing will ever come of this. Uh-oh. So yeah, at this auction in 96, Todd McFarlane buys... You know the rights to and it, my thing is who has, who can say that they can sell it? Do you know what I mean? Like how do they even know? Whoever's selling the estate of Eclipse should know. What do we really own here? I guess right. it was just a list of our right. things, and I guess we own these things. So he bought it, and he's like, <laughs> I "Can't I? I'm not doing my Todd McFarlane. I'm gonna add. Uh, I'm gonna add Miracle Man to my universe. He's gonna f- appear next to Spawn and Angela and all these characters." Uh... And I don't know how I feel about this. Neil had a lot on his plate, but Neil's like, well, that's not going to work. So Neil's like, uh, no, no, we're going to, I own part of this too. So we can, you can deal with me or we'll go to court. And they went to court. Oh boy. And they went to court in like Wisconsin <laughs> where he lives. I don't <laughs> know if Neil got like, you know, convinced the judge to move the trial to, or, it, it, or if it had to take place, you know, in the place of business of whoever the defendant was or right. the or the plaintiff. I don't really know how that works, but yeah, Weird. I remember seeing pictures of him wearing a sweater and tie combo. He couldn't even put a jacket on. Wow. And so this went back and forth for years mm-hmm. to the point where McFarlane actually introduced the character Mike Moran into Hellspawn, which isn't even the main Spawn book. It's like a, a side thing, and, intending to bring Miracle Man in. Uh, could he do that? I mean, does he technically own Mike Moran, but he doesn't own Miracle Man? I don't know. 
because that napkin, what's on the napkin? Yeah. We don't know. Right, right, right. So at this point, like as the legal, I think this was either before the legal proceedings or during them, Neil Gaiman is like, okay, well, I want Angela back. And he's like, what are you talking about? Well, when they, Angela came out and like, she appeared in like Spawn 9 or something like that. Uh And the whole thing with Image was that it's all creator owned. If you create it, you keep it, right? Yeah, Yeah. Even if in Spawn, I guess they were just making the deal that Neil Gaiman created Angela and sort of helped co-write like issue nine of Spawn. So that means he owns Angela. At least that was the agreement at the time. Now, in the meantime, Todd McFarlane is doing all of this stuff. He's spinning Spawn yeah. off. He's got an Angela movie in the works. And Neil Gaiman's like, well, give me all the stuff for Angela. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. And <laughs> there was a, there was a Elseworlds. It's not called Elseworlds. I don't know what Marvel calls it. There was a Marvel series that came out called 1602, which was like, what if all the Marvel heroes existed in Shakespeare's time? Okay. That Neil Gaiman wrote, and it was penciled by Andy Kubert. It's not a great series. Oh, okay. But Neil Gaiman dedicated it to Todd because it was necessary. And he took all of the money that he made from that, which was a lot, and put it towards the legal fund to win win the Miracle Man case. Wow. Yeah. He created a company called... um, Marvels and Miracles or something like that, LLC, which is like, wow, that's a that's a thumb in the eye. <laughs> so anyway, uh, eventually wow. uh, he won. <laughs> okay. He won. Uh, well, it also helped because I think some other, some British court or somebody else basically figured out that um, Mick Anglo, as the original creator back in the 50s, mm-hmm. held the rights just oh. by default, okay. which meant that his uh, estate did or something? Yeah. Well, he's still alive. Oh, okay. Uh, which meant that like qualities and even Eclipse's um, hold on it was just never never valid. Oh, okay. So it all just sort of reverted back to whoever had it, Anglo. Gaiman, I think Gaiman said like for whatever whatever percentage of a share I have at this point, you know, I just bequeath it to Mick Anglo and we can do whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened there? Game over, then? right? Okay. No. Then in 2009, Marvel Comics bought the rights to Marvel Man. Wow. So wow. Marvel Comics is now going to publish Marvel Man. They publish it as Miracle Man. Because who wants to go back in and white out all those already whited out Marvel Mans that have Miracle Man written on them? They just call it Miracle Man. And they republished all those issues we talked about. Instead of 75 cents, they were four ninety nine. Of course they were. Yes. Ugh. And speaking of the Muppets, they keep saying they're going to do something with it. And as of 2020, no plans to extend the Marvel Man story. What? What the hell, man? Marvel Man? Yeah, you you bought it just so you could like... We skipped the part where Marvel was going to sue them for calling it Marvel Man, so they changed it to Miracle Man. Okay, right, right. When did that happen? Um, I don't know. 80s something? Yeah, late 80s. Okay. Um... Yeah, it's like they just like were like, well, this is tangentially somewhat related to us because of the name or the name that it originally had. So we're just going to buy it and then we're going to do nothing with it. So that's that sucks. Uh, that's not cool. That's well, not cool. Marvel. It isn't just that they bought it because it was, you know, at this point, one of the most notorious properties well, in comics, right. but also still not really worth a whole lot. Mm hmm. And yeah, so they bought it just to snap it up, but 
You're not going to do anything with it. No, of course not. And I don't know if Neil has made some kind of thing. I don't know if he's got an exclusive DC contract or he said he's not going to work with Marvel again, but he's also really busy, so nobody's doing anything with it. <laughs> and Marvel could just say, I don't know, Chris Bacalo, you want to do something, right? Here, write some, write some Miracle Man. Right, right, right. But they won't. I wonder if they'll do anything with it ever. I think that it's kind of shitty that they aren't doing anything with it. But I what's the so alternative? Too. What's the alternative? Superman finds out that Dr. Manhattan has kidnapped, you know, who cares? Right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just leave it dead. I guess. Yeah. I guess. So uh... for this show, three hours later, for this show, <laughs> we read uh, the first nine issues yes. of the Eclipse issues mm-hmm. of miracle man yes yes we did um you already said you, you had no connection to it you didn't know anything about it yeah uh that is correct and i just immediately was reminded of shazam and captain marvel um as i started reading it um of course you know because in the original comic they thought that they got their powers from a magical being right. uh like like Shazam does and they say a magic word to transform into this the superhero version of themselves. Yeah, I like the fact Alan Moore that he would uh, would do this um his protege who won't admit he's his protege Grant Morrison would do this, but I like the fact that they don't negate the earlier comics. That's just that's all canon. Yeah. It's just recontextualized. Man, did as, they recontextualize it. Yeah, as just these dream sequences that these uh, guys have when they were asleep. Also, comics exist in this world. Like, I like yeah. the fact that... Um, well, first of all, I just like the character of Liz Moran. I like the fact that she's active and has agency and isn't just, mm-hmm. you know... She is kidnapped, but... She is. But that's not all she's there for. And as soon as, like... You know, Mike discovers that he's Miracle Man. She's like, "Well, I was reading through these comics. So, can you? Do you have heat vision? Do you have super breath? Let's let's test out your powers. Let's see what you can do." I really liked that sequence, and I know it. And I was reminded, but I know this is before that, so that's probably influenced that in another kind of weird, sort of connected way. We we see that in the the, the film version of Shazam. Like, let's test out your powers. Let's see what you can do. Yes. Um. Comics are eating themselves. I know. Day by day. I know. But I I really that while well, was one of my notes. Um. I I really liked that sequence a lot. Um. I thought that that was really cool. And I know he was kind of like, almost like annoyed or like he didn't like that she was associating his powers with comics but it's like what else are we going to use as reference you know so um we see at one point um that dr gargunza the guy that creates them yes who is um based off of uh dr savannah from well that makes sense uh from captain marvel yeah and um yeah it's like sure okay You've got a character's name starts with an M. He's got sidekicks. He says a magic word. But it's like all the story elements, too. I mean, I guess I guess Captain Marvel was shut down. So done. But then like <laughs> Marvel Man, a.k.a. Miracle Man, comes in and just does takes all the same elements, but does something you know totally different with them. Right. But as he's like coming up with it, you know, he realizes that to control them, they need some conceit, you know, some some yes. strategy. And he sees a Captain Marvel comic. I know. So he literally got the idea from Captain Marvel. I know. <laughs> Just like it's such a small little touch, but it's it's, it's, it's but great. it's a it's a good one. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good one. And probably actionable. Yeah, pro- <laughs> probably. 
Well, I was wondering, so they had this quote unquote accident, which we find out later wasn't really an accident. The, 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 the three heroes, uh, kid, uh, miracle man, young miracle man and miracle man, um, are in, they get hit with this atomic bomb, um, that was done by the people who created them more or less to because they decided they that this experiment this science experiment that was them was over but i want to know or get your opinion on so this happened in 1963 why did it affect all three of them like so differently like um young miracle man died miracle man survived but got amnesia about being miracle man and kid miracle man was somehow fine maybe he was injured we don't really know but he stayed kid miracle man and became more powerful and eventually kind of morphed into being like a super villain yeah so why did it affect them all three like differently because it's interesting i guess okay (laughs) (laughs) it's more interesting than if that didn't happen yeah Uh, i guess yeah i um i like the um I like the idea of um, there being them like swapping bodies, um, but they're not because there's a lot of characters like that. Uh, yeah, um, you know, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel. Mm. How did they get away with that? I don't know. Uh, Rick Jones and uh, Captain uh, Captain Marvel, <laughs> <laughs> or Quasar, or, who, or whoever he's switching with, um, or like Bruce Banner and the Hulk, and just you know stuff like that. But I like the fact that like this is you know primarily a um, a science comic that was really you know they they did reprints of like Doctor Strange and stuff in England, but I feel like a lot of England um, heroes were science based. They really mm. like that over there. Yeah, um, more more science fiction than, than fantasy. You mean? Yeah, I hesitate to use the label hard sci fi, but yeah, they, but they, I hear they what you're wanted saying. A, a deeper yeah dig into that sort of thing. And so um, you get that with these characters and you get an examination, especially as the series goes on, you get a big examination of um, the implications of their abilities, you know. But I like the idea that they swap and then when they swap, um, the other body just doesn't just doesn't age or is just sort of held in stasis. So you could have a kid Miracle Man just stay Miracle Man or Miracle Kid or whatever and then yeah. become an adult Miracle Kid. And you get that in, um, that's been sort of referenced or used in other stuff like in um, Kingdom Come where, um, you know, Billy Batson just, um, you know, grows. He, they lock away Shazam or Captain Marvel and then Billy Batson grows up and everybody thinks that he's Captain Marvel because he's just, you know, an adult version of Billy. Right. So everybody's like terrified of Luthor because he's got Captain Marvel working for him. But the truth is, is he's just a mind controlled Billy. <laughs> and only Batman has the guts to like... You know, basically punch <laughs> Captain Marvel, and he's like, "He was never, he was never Captain Marvel. He's been Billy this whole time." <laughs> right. Um, I think it's interesting. I think it's a different take on it, like you were saying. Um, I I think it's it's a lot more complex than you get in some comic books, and I found myself like kind of like rereading a lot of that. Uh, that section where we're getting more about Miracle Man's um, past and like uh, what they actually did to him and how he kind of became to be Miracle Man. And I, I found it like kind of complicated, like in describing like 
the, basically they got this idea from this alien coming to Earth that they called the Visitor that, like them, like occupied, as they described it, occupied two bodies uh, was able to change between the two somehow. Uh, but somehow with the accident, their two bodies occupied the same space. So it was kind of like two different bodies like morphed together. And it was like, it was like one kind of looked like a bug or something like that. And I don't even know how to describe the other half. And so then they basically took DNA from this this alien and then helped that use that to create uh the the miracle family um from these orphans but i want to know so they kidnap these orphans and they're like they're they're all of their parents their their dads were personnel of the air force and uh they didn't have anybody alive who would care about them but if they kidnap Which them is from like, like RAF, can we talk? Yeah, I know, right? Well, how's your veterans affairs? Here? I know, Come on. right? <laughs> um, but like they kidnap them, and like nobody from the orphanage would care. There wouldn't be like. I think they got them right before the orphanage got involved. You know, oh, there's one flashback I see. where um, Mike or Mickey, you know, is he's seeing his mom die or whatever, yes. and then. Um, you know, the next panel is him being pulled into a Studebaker. So I just assumed. I see. Okay. They I guess monitored that makes these more kids sense. and probably were ready for to, to pounce. But you know, it's a comic book. Um, yeah, I um, I um, I like this. <laughs> I still like this. This is I read this maybe every three or four years or so. And I'm always blown away by it. But the more I read it. The more I see some of its shortcomings, uh oh, and uh, with you know more as a, as a writer, an early writer, a baby writer, yeah, yeah. At this point, you know, I, I think it's brave. I think it's important that he wanted to tackle British identity, uh, British identity, uh, black identity. Oh yeah, maybe we don't need Mr. him Cream. doing that. Yeah, and Mr. Cream is like, I have this dream about Africa. I, he hates the fact that he dreams about Africa. Because yeah. he's like, oh, should I eat some watermelon and sing Mammy next? And it's like, I don't want to speak for black people, but is that you way think that's inaccurate? Right. I mean, this character could do that, but why do you have to? <laughs> why do you have to say that? Yeah. I, I bet a white guy wrote Mississippi Burning, right? Probably. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I bet it is. Uh, so like, you know, sure, we're going to throw all the words around, but it's so we know. That that's bad to do. Mm. Yeah, a lot of black people being like, I wish they'd understand us. They just say N word all the time. <laughs> like, all right, okay. So he's got this character who is like his one defining trait beyond his uh, sapphire teeth, which I know we never really come back. Can you imagine to? a white character with sapphire teeth, or does it seem like? Well, it's kind of natural that a black guy would have blinged out teeth and sunglasses. Yeah, I don't know. See what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. see what you mean. And his one defining characteristic, other than he is, um, you know, a totally ruthless um, spy operative. Out for himself. Yeah. Is uh, is his connection to, like, is, you know, him being chased by the spirit of Papa Legba or whatever. It's like, <sighs> I know. I understand where you're coming from. It's a little... Well, I don't understand where more is coming from. I don't know well, why he right. thought that was important to do except for just get representation in there. So not blown away by that. I also think it's interesting that ultimately the presence or the existence of Miracle Man was 
Moore's attempt to take the superhero, and this has been done many times afterwards mm. in more high-profile and more successful ways, unfortunately, mm. but is take the idea of if you had a Superman, what would he do? You know, mm. it's it's. I think it's open to debate whether the most fictional aspect of Superman is that he's about truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah. In fact, the character he's based on, you know, Gladiator from... Uh, Gladiator. I don't think the character's called Gladiator, but Philip Wiley's book Gladiator. Yeah. That Siegel and Schuster um, based uh, 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 Superman on is uh, is a jerk. He's a, he's a megalomaniac. He tries to take over the world. Um, you know, he can't be killed or whatever. And mm-hmm. so uh, that's you know that's what they're kind of exploring. And then it became well, it's not marketable, and kids can't you know don't want to read that. So what if he's a nice guy? Right, right, right. And so we do that. And uh, but Moore's like, no, why would a character like that? They could do anything mm-hmm. and they could even do anything and it would be good. And that's right. what future uh, issues of Miracle Man get into is I love and care about you all. That's why I'm your dictator. That's why I'm taking over the world. I see. And he did this again for Image or a form of this with the character Supreme, okay. which is another character who is a Superman-like guy. He's indestructible, basically, and he basically just says, well, we should rule the world. We'll do it be- the best. We'll do it better than anybody. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that there lies destruction. Like right. Anybody who says that, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. And so they're examining how that's a problem. The problem with Miracle Man in that case, though, is that they never get to finish that story. Yeah. So for me, sure, there's a lot of like stories about like people having to adjust to this new world that's you know run by Miracle Man, but I don't know. Seems like I could probably deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) Those seem like those seem like rich people problems. You know what I mean? Wow. Wow. Okay. Um. Huh. All right. Well, I I think I maybe I need to finish reading uh, Moore's run of Miracle Man. Um. But. Um, I guess I, I just thought it was what I, I did really enjoy, uh, the, the idea of, of this dual character and that they, they really are pushing the, this idea that even though it's technically still you, it's not really still you. Like, it's yeah. like a different body. It's like a different person. Like, John Bates, who is the little kid who is Kid Miracle Man, like Kid Miracle Man is turns out to be a giant a-hole and just wants to, you know, have all this power and kill Miracle Man and all yeah. this stuff. And we at this point in the story, we don't ever know why he is that way. And no. I'll, I'll tell you, I don't as far as I remember, I don't think we ever really find out why oh, he is that way. That's too bad. Um it, he just in this case kind of represents, you know, a, a teenaged id, sort right. of. Or if you're going to have Miracle Man in the future sort of rule all over uh, all of Earth and be this sort of weird, distant, you know, I don't know, ineffable character, like you think of a god being, mm-hmm. then we'll never get to see some real bad shit go down. Right. And we'll have that be this character. Well, that's true. Instead um, of young nasty man, I right. keep talking about young. Na- I want to see a young nasty man. Where's he? <laughs> Riga goo goo. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, 
I, I'm sure the other the the rest of the story gets into the the inner struggle between John Bates and Kid Miracle Man more. Oh, but my God, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I but we, I do. We feel, really we really should have read the whole thing. I I do feel bad for for John Bates. Um. And I I'm sure at some point he loses to Kid Miracle Man and Kid Miracle Man oh, will boy. emerge. Everybody but, who's read it is just just screaming right now. Okay, well, but but I do think that Kid Miracle Man should change his name because he's not a kid anymore. <laughs> um, he's he's the the beast or or whatever. Yeah, right. There's some metaphor that they use about him where he's like, "No, oh, it's so bad." Um, yeah. Uh, there's also and also just like uh, so. Anyway, um, I don't remember if I got this point out or not, but he's more is writing about something mystical. He's writing about yes. Um, the um, sort of archetypal idea of gods ruling us and and that's all great. And then it's through the lens of like science because that's, you know, what the original character was mm-hmm. atomic or whatever instead of uh, an old man. Right. <laughs> Tricked him into going into a subway station <laughs> and then showed him a staff. Uh, Whoa, weird. And so it's all science-based, but he's doing this mythological stuff. And I don't know if that, if science is the new mythology, like theme wise, I, I, I don't, not sure it fits. Like you mm. just, it's comics. You can just do whatever. Mm. But then also just practically, I'm not sure because sure, there's this weird alien who's different and amazing and we don't understand him, and we splice his DNA with human DNA or whatever. Right. And we get like these superhumans. Yes. But they're not like gods. But they but are. They refer to them as gods. kind of gods, yeah, because they sparkle and they're indestructible, yeah, unless they're not, and they can just literally do anything. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know. I just don't like the idea. I don't know. Like, there's other like Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock was just made by a bunch of guys in beekeeper outfits. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, why would something that AIM makes like AIM made the Cosmic Cube? You think right. of the Cosmic Cube as being on the level of an Infinity Gauntlet or something like one of the most powerful objects in the in the multiverse? Yeah, and a bunch of guys in beekeeper hats like made it. <laughs> so I guess I don't know. I guess it works, but I just think of like I don't know what the divine. I don't know. I actually, you know, I think it kind of works because Moore is keeping the the ideas that we these sort of like um, lizard brain ideas that we have about gods and, and powers and ruling figures. He's just putting them in a modern context with an atomic scientist did it, or it came from aliens. Right. So I don't know, I guess it works. There was, okay. So in like way back in like issue two, uh, when kid miracle man and miracle man are fighting, there is this line as that more wrote, um, while they're fighting that says, we will never know the destiny that howls in their hearts, never know their pain, their love, their almost, almost sexual, sexual hatred. hatred. Yeah. What does there's, that mean? Well, there's a there's a lot of sex uh, in this. And I'll tell you, um, I wouldn't expect this. Well, hopefully older Moore isn't doing this, but young, young Moore loved, loved his rapes. He loved his sexual violences. And even loved his sexual violence metaphors. Wow. You know? So um, it's funny because I try to think of like his villains. I think his villains all think that, you know, they're good guys. Sure. Like most villains do. Yeah. Um, And Gargunza 
<laughs> at least when we meet him, seems so genteel for uh, yeah, a villain. Yeah, I know, right? But um, his death doesn't preclude him appearing in the series, of course. And um, we find out more about him as we go. But I thought it was really, probably really important to a 22-year-old Alan Moore that uh, he committed his first rape at 14. I bet that was real important. Yeah, I know, you know right? I mean? <laughs> And then even as he's talking to Liz Moran, he's like, uh, you know, you're, you're a good person. And it's, it's, it's amazing that you can bring this life that will now be my life into the world. Yeah. All right, I'll see you later. Enjoy the tea. And then he tells his, like, number two, he's like, when she has the baby, you can throw her to the men. <laughs> I know, like, oh, I okay. know. So he's got no morality. No. Then you've got Miracle Man, who is not only like saving his wife and his own life, but he is sort of a god who is above the morality of men. Mm-hmm. And so when he meets two guys that wanted to kill him when he was a human, but now they can't kill him, he knocks their heads together so both their heads explode. Yeah, <laughs> And then he's I got know. gore all over him. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like... That's Miracle Man. I know. And then the one guy was like, oh, you are the Ubermensch. And he's like, you got it. And then just pushes his arm through the guy's chest and kills him. So, yeah, you know, that's a lot of, um, that's what these comics, these weren't for kids. You know, these were supposed to be shocking. That's why there is a uh, a real vaginal birth depicted (laughs) in issue nine. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And I was, as I was reading it, I was like, man, this is graphic. And then I'm like, why do I have a problem with seeing a birth? And then I'm like sitting there thinking, have I seen this in any other comic before? I don't think I have. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, Miracle Man is, you know, just flying through people and they and they explode. Oh my God. And, I freaked uh, out when he flew through the guy and then he just was in like literal just limbs. like meat. Limb, limbs, limb shower. Yeah. And yeah, and then you've got Whoa. an entire, it's not a whole issue, but it's a whole segment narrated by Cream's uh, a dis, dis, decapitated, decapitated head. head. Yeah. Yeah. But then issue nine, careful depiction of a live birth inside. Are you serious? I didn't notice that. Yeah, on the cover of issue nine. On the nine. cover? Yeah. Wow. So anyway. Wow. Wow. You can see all that other violence, nothing. And then. You see something as natural as a birth, and then you have yep. to have a warning. Yep. But Miracle Man's going to take care of all that. Yeah. No comics code in Miracle Man's world, to tell you that much. <laughs> I just, um, there's not, there's a, a de- I think there's a deceptive amount of material here in these nine issues. I mean, in the whole series. Yes. But it seems like, oh, nine issues, that's a lot. And they probably all work out to be 20 or 30 pages along, but there isn't, there's not a lot of time to, to establish things here. So we establish very early on that Miracle Man is, we get it. He's a Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Then he fights Kid Miracle Man, who is more powerful than he is, and yes. beats him like he was a, a normal man. And so you go, okay, watch out for that guy. But then as the series goes on, we're just like, oh, it's just Miracle Man. He's just, he'll never be in danger. He can't. And like a good Superman stories, in my opinion, it doesn't matter whether he's hurt. Oh, no, it's a red sun. It doesn't matter if Superman can be hurt. Can he protect all the, the people, people, that, he that, he loves. That, he loves, can yes. he, you know, can he stop society from declining? Can he take on these huge problems? Mm-hmm. And so that's all well and good. But then you get somebody like Gargunzo who's like, oh, no, I added a post. I have a keyword of my own. Yeah, you know, right. And he says it. And now now you're just a fat old man again. He can't be uh, Miracle Man for an hour. Alien dog rip his rip his balls off. And yeah, kill him. right. Exactly. And so now you have this whole thing where he's got to, you know, just basically buy time until he can get his uh, powers back and yeah. then uh, club a dog to death. 
I know. <laughs> I mean, this comic is dark, and I think it's interesting that you, you you see a superhero who, unlike Superman, unlike Batman, doesn't really think, should I kill this person? Should I kill this dog? They think, I need to survive. It's about, yeah, it's about survival. They, I, it's I, desperation. Yeah. Um, it's they the, were going to kill me. Yeah. Uh, this dog turns into an evil alien dog. It's the impermanence of morality, you know, in, in situations like that. Right. You know, it's like, forget it. I'm just going to kill a dog. Which, by the way, so Mike Moran is in his 50s, maybe early 50s, late 40s, because he was around in uh, 1956 right. or whatever. That dog wasn't in 1956. Right. The Gargunza said but that he the said dog, that he worked on the like, dog first. first right yeah so what i'm saying is did he take a cute little poofy dog clone him create an alien dog then just have the alien dog hang around for 35 years or whatever because that dog would be dead no you're right <laughs> right 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 um i'm not sure how old he was did in he freeze like the, the dog yeah i i right <laughs> yeah so, yeah. Not that a big deal. No, but that's <laughs> a good think, point. Yeah, just thinking about it. Yep, yep. Um, I think it's... Uh, it's just going back to the, the dual body thing. I think it's an issue to... Liz is talking to Mike after they did uh, the, the sequence of testing his uh, powers and everything. Mm. And she's talking about how... She thinks that they're two separate bodies, and she makes a big deal about how they're kind of separate or whatever. And then she tells them she's pregnant with Miracle Man's baby. Mm -hmm. So is, are they the same person, or aren't they? Um, he obviously, as the comic goes on, Mike is not okay with the fact that it's Miracle Man's kid. But how was he okay? Because he obviously knew that Miracle Man and Liz had sex. So how is he okay with that? But he wasn't okay with the baby being Miracle Man's. And then later he turns into Miracle Man and him and Liz have sex again. So how are they okay with this duality here? It's weird. I mean, are they the same person or aren't they? That's what I want to know. And how and why are they okay with this? Good questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Questions that could be explored in a comic book. <laughs> that... Came out a while ago, and the rights of which were bought by Todd McFarlane. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna do Miracle Man. Let's get him. We're gonna make a figure, and he did. He made a figure of him. That's the first thing he did. Of course. Before he they did. even before they even published any stories, right? He made a, and then he made a, a Miracle Man baseball, and uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you keep being Todd, Todd. Yeah. Keep yeah. it up. Um. Last thoughts. Oh boy. Because I mean, thoughts. yeah. I mean, we'll we'll come back to this someday. We we can't stop here. Uh, okay, let me just kind of skim through my notes and see oh, if there... let me just kind of wish that you had done that while I was talking. <laughs> hey. I talked for so long. Um... You don't have to listen. Well, okay, I, I... The daydream stuff. He finds out that from 1954 to 1962, their whole existence uh, took place during dreams. So I'm assuming... That they all had the same dreams, otherwise their memories wouldn't sync up. Yeah, they got a computer. Uh, but that's, like, so messed up. That means that, like, all of the uh, the stories that came before, the comics that came out 
during that time, those were all dreams. Like that didn't actually happen. He didn't. And so I just think it's interesting that they decided to do that for so long. And then in 62 or 63, they're like, okay, now you're actual superheroes. So, I mean, they gave them actual superpowers. And so then like for like a year or a couple of months, they're actually doing superhero things. And then they have this accident and they take him out. Yeah. So what was the point of of having him do the dreams for for that long? They um <coughs> they were testing them. Yeah. Because they make it clear, you know, the guy, the government liaison or whatever, Archer <coughs> is terrified of them. Right. And doesn't even he calls, he calls it an it. He calls him a monster, yeah. Yeah. And even Gargunza who um who's a very like Zola type figure, you know, in that he was literally a Nazi, uh, then was recruited, you know, through paperclip or whatever to, um, to British, I guess paperclip was an American operation, but, um, he was raining V2s on England. Now he's working for England. Something happened in real life, mm-hmm. but he's doing it for a very self-serving cause because he's right. developing your weapon, but he's also got a side lab and he's, you know, working on stuff and he wants to, try to gain immortality through these guys, but he's also terrified of these people as well, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. It, yeah. It's required because they wanted to, to encompass 1956 to 1963's worth of publishing. Right. From, uh, from, uh, whatever it was called, uh, comics. Um, and so that's the, I don't know. They had to do it. Okay. Um, I guess they have, and then what, maybe when they were ready, Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have, uh, you know, stopped the JFK's assassination. But I have, I have one other question. Yeah. Uh, when Miracle Man comes back to Earth in issue nine, uh, he is depicted of having a a cross of light behind him. Yes. My question is, and maybe I just missed it. Was there Christian iconography in this comic all along, or does it just show up now? And I know. Do you know what the nativity is, right? Yes. And I know that it's called Scenes from the Nativity. Mm-hmm. And also his name is Miracle Man. Miracle mm-hmm. is in that. And and that basically Garganza and the other scientists were playing God and created gods. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? Um, no, they were missing uh, having it be in a stable. <laughs> Right. I guess the birth. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think it's all. Look, this is 1982, mm-hmm. or uh, actually not. The publications um, were infrequent after a while. In fact, again, try not to spoil stuff, but issue 11 is set in 1987 because it was published in 1987 because there was like a year gap or more oh, in okay. between when 10 and 11 was published, and so instead okay. of more, you know, it tried to do it all in real time because it's set in the early 80s. It comes out in the early 80s. Mm. Um, instead of trying to explain away the time, he just switches to the future time frame and then has Miracle Man just relate the stories, you know, as they happened leading sure. up to where he is. Okay. But it's 82. So yep. I don't think a Christ imagery is played out. This isn't Man no, of Steel. I, I know. I know. This isn't Man of Steel. Should have right. known better. Okay. Mr. Snyder Cut. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) They're just making sure you get it. Uh, Okay. You're literally going to have a God's child be born here on Earth. I know. So eh, go for it. Yeah, right. Uh, Do you recommend it? uh, Yeah, I would uh, would definitely recommend it. What's about the art? 
Um, I think it was good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think in some ways they kind of um, tried to make it, although making it more modern, I think they kind of tried to make it look like the comics did in like the, the 50s and 60s uh, in some ways um, with like the coloring and everything. Oh, okay. Coloring, yes. Everything else, I disagree. Okay. All right. It all it has a very dark and realistic style, which was very typical of the British comics of that time. Mm. And, um, you know, the artists jump around a lot because Gary Leach started off, and he's a very talented artist, but it took him a very long time to create these very realistic, cool-looking things, and so he couldn't quite keep up on the book, and so they swapped to some other people. Um, John Totleben... Uh, does some stuff. I love his stuff, and that's really good. Um, Rick Veach is, you know, fine. Um, Chuck Austin did an issue or two, okay. which is you know, Chuck Austin. Talk about him someday. Uh, and then later on, uh, Buckingham uh, comes in, right? So uh, in the later issues. So yeah, the art is always uh, interesting. It's never phoned in, mm-hmm. uh, which I really like. Although it does shift around, and it's something that you get. Used to in comics, especially in older comics, suddenly there's just a new artist and it's like, oh, okay. But through all that, they kept a lot of the design choices very similar. Mm. So, you know, Liz has got a real Nagel 80s kind of look early on. And then later on, it's just, it's a lady with brown hair. Okay. Mm. But like Gargunzo, clearly there's a design document there that they stuck to. He he looks a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, They based the look of Miracle Man on a young... uh, Paul Newman. Okay. And I that stays that. very consistent all the way through. And so, yeah, I think it's a, it's great. Um, his costume, like Liz makes the comment, like when he's fighting kid miracle man, it gets ripped or torn. But then when the next time he transforms, it's whole again. Yeah. Is that something that the scientists did? And then is he just always wearing that costume? Can he take that costume off? Like, we see him wearing street clothes when he goes on the plane, but maybe his costume's under that. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, why? So, going off of a point that you were making before, if they're going to be their experiments that are in a dream world while, I don't know, the lab keeps experimenting on them or just mm. seeing how they work in their minds, why give them costumes in real life? Yeah. They're all laying in their beds with their little costumes on. With their costumes on. on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's a comic book. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, that that doesn't uh, really make a lot of sense. But, you know, <laughs> how much do you want to extract it or... Um, um, Boil it down? No, the opposite. Oh, <laughs> Extend it, I oh, guess. okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe they were just trying to make it easier on themselves. Like, if they ever... For whatever reason, we're going to deploy him. Yeah, right. Forget the fact that his costume stinks and is full of poop. <laughs> Gross. Actually, his he sparkles, but he probably doesn't poop. Probably not. Who knows? Who knows? That's one of his powers. <laughs> well, it's Marvel Man or Miracle Man, and you can get it from Marvel Comics. Yeah. I bet it's not five bucks a pop on Unlimited or on a digital source. So that's probably your best bet. If you've got the old Eclipse issues, contact me. Let's make a deal. <laughs> a candy-colored clown they call the Sandman Tiptoes to my room every night Just to sprinkle stardust and to whisper Go to sleep, everything is all right 
Well, that is it for this week. Thanks for joining us. And hey, you know what? We have other shows as well. We do. We got a lot of other shows. We do. What's coming up on some of those shows? Uh, what is coming up? Uh, we uh, do this thing that we're doing right now called Co-Videos, where we watch uh, two films and we <laughs> two, talk about Two them. educational films? <laughs> Blood on the Highway, you remember that from uh, Traffic School. Yeah. And also, oh, here's a here's a generational question. What? Did you watch uh, Blood on the Highway? Did you watch, uh, you know, de- f- highway death films in your traffic school? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> we watched. Um, Why don't I have to be we, tortured by all this 50s garbage? I don't know. We we watched some films, but I don't think there had any deaths in it. I feel like I would have been. They uh, got the reel to reel out. I was. They got the reel to reel out, and it was real accident footage, you know, like people strewn. Oh my gosh. Across the highway, Miracle Man stuff. Uh huh. And then they would cut it together with. So let's say I remember specifically, and this is the movie, not me. There were two black men that died in a pickup truck, right? Mm -hmm. So we get to see them all over the highway. Then they went and cast two black men to in a a scenario. You know, the police determined that, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, all right, let's go. Oh, boy, we're kind of tired. Probably shouldn't be driving this much. Oh, I got it. Don't worry about it. Cut to real life footage. Um, no. Horrible. No, that's torture. That is horrible. It was torture. Yeah. I bet they don't do that anymore. I bet they don't either. I don't remember maybe, them doing that when maybe in some states. I was in And school. last time on the show we talked about uh last time we talked about uh Boogie Nights and Gone with the Wind. Two of a pair. Yeah. Yes. Uh and uh we also do this show called the Sailor Noob. Uh which I host and you co-host, and I am the expert and you are the noob, and we watch uh, every episode of the original uh, anime, and we talk about uh, culture, food, clothes, all sorts of things, and the episode, of course, itself. Um, it's heating up. It is heating up. Uh, we are still watching the the first season. Yeah. Uh, but well, it's more complicated than that. But yeah, yeah. it is. But we're in the the later half. Learn why by listening to Sailor Noob. That's right. Also, I've got enterprising individuals. Still, my Star Trek show that's going into its fifth year. It's we're well into the fifth year of the show. Mm-hmm. And coming up on the show, we're talking about an episode of Star Trek Voyager called Coda. Yes. This is an episode where it's Janeway's, uh, it's a Russian doll for Janeway. That's a good way to describe it. Janeway's Russian doll. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm talking to Jen Dahlman from Rosemary's Ladies, which mm-hmm. is, there's a plug, that's a great podcast in its own right. Yes. And uh, also wanted to mention Backtrekking, which is a episode show. <laughs> it's not still going continually. There you go. <laughs> Have uh, Ed, the podcast. How come nobody's done that? I don't know. Or Ed, T- Ed TV. Sure. Ed TV, the podcast. I got to write something down. <laughs> uh, where my co-host, Gui Fame, and I talk about the inspirations behind classic episodes of Star Trek. Yes. So on our last episode, we talked about the movie from 1969, They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Mm-hmm. And how it compares to the episode, uh, The Quickening from DS9. And you know what? Hmm. They don't really compare oh. at all. <laughs> I'm sure you get into that. I'm just kidding. They totally do compare. uh, And we talk about why. We do that uh, every other week. So check that out as well. And, you know, this show, this show has a long and storied history, doesn't it? Mm -hmm, It does. And no, no podcasting hosting service 
can contain this show. <laughs> At least not for a lot more money Un- than I've got to spend on it. So uh, a lot of our old episodes have kind of fallen off of the stream or the uh, account, what what have you. But I'm making an effort. It's going to take a while, but I'm doing it as best and as fast as I can to put those old shows up in an archive mm. that'll be accessible to listeners. And we thought about charging for them, but we thought, why would we hold those back from people? <laughs> Almost seven years of content available to you as listeners of Just Enough Trope. Um, I will let you know as soon as that is up. That's awesome. And so if you want to hear us talking about all kinds of stuff, we why don't you guys cover so-and-so, The Dark Knight Returns? Buddy, we have. <laughs> and it is back there amongst our archive, so I'll try to get that up for you and... Some kind of, well, connected to the website as well. So you can search on the website for, you know, Dark Knight Returns and it'll send you to a link to that thing. Absolutely. It'll take a while. Yeah. But I am going to do that. Uh, you know, we stream, we stream video games and some of our uh, role playing and stuff action. Uh, we're going to be jumping on stream right after this, actually. But you won't know that because <laughs> this is going out later. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, if, if you're subscribed to our social medias, Just Enough Trope, Facebook, Twitter, all those places, uh, you'll get a notification that comes up when we're going on a stream. And if you've got some time, jump in and hang out with us. Uh, we love to play video games and we love to answer questions and talk mm-hmm. about geek news and topics. So join us with that. And uh, as we say every show, you know, if you are following us on a streaming service, we appreciate that. If you're not, it'd be a good idea. Subscribe to us Absolutely. wherever you get the show from. And also, I guess I'd say it's really important that you leave us a rating and a review mm-hmm. if you Very can. Um, because we don't really push that and I look at a lot of shows that aren't as good as ours. I'll just say that right <laughs> right off the bat. Sure. No yeah. shade. Yeah. But, you know, pick it up. <laughs> uh, and they've got 100 reviews. And so instead of me going and soliciting every, you know, my grandmother, my great aunt, my second cousin, third removed to give me a one-time review, mm-hmm. I want real reviews from real show listeners. Right. So if it's iTunes, if it's Spotify or Stitcher, we're on all these platforms. And I'd encourage you to just go out. doesn't have to be all that long. Give us five... <sighs> Are they, are the sapphires connected to the teeth, or are they just? I think they're does first, he just eat with gems? I think he eats with gems. <sighs> Weird. Yeah. But anyway, uh, give us five stars, let's say, and just say, keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. Love the show. Right. More Dark Knight Returns talk. <laughs> More Muppets talk. <laughs> yes. You know, whatever it is, send us a message because uh, we'd appreciate it. And yes. if you leave us a review, we'll mention you on the show. Yeah. That's a nice little thing. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's about it for us. Anything left to say? Um. Well, I mean, do you want to... Well, pl- looks like I forgot something. Plug craft services? No. Oh, okay. It's not going currently. Okay, all right. But uh, there, there is a show called Craft of Services at craftofservices.com where we talk about... Uh, it's really like the prestige film show. <laughs> yes. I talk with uh, critics, uh, guests, uh, even screenwriters about... Why bad films get bad ratings mm-hmm. or why good films get bad ratings. Right. And so thanks for helping me out with that. I was, I was thinking you're going to say, you know, stay in prayers, eat your school and take your vitamins or whatever. But uh, instead, another, another plug. <laughs> so thank you for that. And thanks for listening. We're signing off for now. We'll be back soon. And until then, I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikan Hana. Keep the geek fires burning. <laughs> <laughs>